Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Oh, why am I puckering? Dear God, this is bitter. What, what's causing this? Oh, it's bitters. Guess it's cocktail time, as we talk about this key ingredient in so many cocktails. So make an old-fashioned, we won't judge you on how you do it, and have a drink. have a drink the show where you learn along with us about what you drink i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier i'm christopher walker and i'm casey price <laughs> hello hey guys we have a quorum it's all four of us again didn't think it was gonna it's been over a month since all four of us were here for the main show <laughs> that's not true it was the last show no you weren't here for the last show oh that's no, right i forgot about you that you weren't here for the main show i was physically here but not really you were flopped <laughs> over on the couch you were here in, you were here in spirit but mentally, no. Yeah, not so much. Forgot about that entirely. <laughs> all right, so now that we're all here finally, what has everyone been up to? Nothing. <laughs> Don't lie to me. No adventures in Casey Land. Not this week. And there was a big announcement last week, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dropping, dropping the twin bomb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just in visiting family for some, some niece's birthdays, and, uh, which means I'm at Casa de Casey, the new upgraded Casa de Casey. Indeed. Still boxes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> now with more boxes. <laughs> that's just uh, like a, that's the standard. Yeah, it's been, been, been kind of a dull week. Dull week. By you never. guys. Uh, well, I, I want to say I wish we could say the same, but yeah, that's, <laughs> we'll, we'll never be able to say the same again. Um, <laughs> uh, today I was at. I was I was in Lexington, so of course when you're not there, I was in Lexington. Yeah. Um, now you wait till I leave town. Yeah. Um, that was the cool. I was at the final That's baby cool. shower for. Uh, this is the one my my sister held at her house. Like she and my mom and one of my other sisters like basically planned the whole thing. And I was like, "That's cool. You guys do you." Um, and it was all it was all <laughs> themed to fall. Um, See, all I can think of right now is that that your mother and sister were like. We didn't approve of the last baby shower. We need to give you a proper one. Yeah, which is whatever, because this is all female. Like <laughs> my my dad and brother in law were there, but they were down in the basement. Like after the rest of us were told, no men were allowed like to be in the house. And it was like everyone else got to go find something else to do. You, you act like you're <laughs> offended. You didn't want to go there anyway. I was offended. It was so loud in there. <laughs> so I went into the woods. <laughs> but no, it was great. We had uh, it was all fall themed, which is nice because. Um, that's one of the only things my sister and I have in common. Got a ton more clothes for the baby. Um, baby has a bigger wardrobe than both of us put together. Probably yes. Uh, yes. and way more. I mean, blankets. you gotta you gotta make sure they wear them. Who wears them all? So you gotta do like three changes of clothes per day. Yeah, mm -hmm. no joke. Um, for when they throw up or poop into all of them. And and we got more uh, burping cloths and and things like that to clean up said messes. Um. So yeah, it was it was it was, it was good. Um, I was happy that we didn't actually come away with like more crazy big stuff because we physically have nowhere to put it. <laughs> so um, the the only giant thing we got was the stroller, and I'm like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Uh, we we'll just we'll just figure that part out. But everything else is just like clothes, and we got another gift card, and it was great. Um, beyond that. I was uh, gonna say, like, I don't feel like that kid's gonna do be much strolling inside that stroller. It feels more like a sitter. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much at this point, because when you have a winter baby, you're not really taking them out. Yeah, not not too much. Uh, 
but no, I, I just definitely wanted to have that and have it just out of the way and be done. Um, but yeah, and then beyond that, we both got new phones, which uh, I got oh. to take some awesome pictures today at the baby shower with him. Um, hmm. And it was funny because uh, my one my other sister who drove me down there because I was like I'd rather not drive to Lexington like at all. Uh, <laughs> she um, she got the same same exact phone that I did. The so we got the Pixel Three XL that was just announced, and then Chris got the Pixel Three, so the smaller one. I was sick of gigantic phones, which and everyone... I wanted the biggest phone that ever existed. She laughs because she realized, <laughs> oh yeah, the big guy likes little things, and it's like, yeah, I like smaller cars, I like littler <laughs> phones. That and I've ripped several pairs of pants by trying to reach in and pull a gigantic phone out of the pocket <laughs> while I'm driving. This and is, that just doesn't work. That, so. that sentence could have gone a whole lot of ways, and it kept unfolding in new ways in my brain as you were saying it. <laughs> I got the giant white uh, XL, which is, it, it literally, like, it, there's a significant difference between the two sizes of phones. It's funny. But, uh, no, the, the camera on that phone is... is the, the camera, for me, is the primary reason to upgrade phones. Like, period. Like, the, the battery doesn't last all day, and I don't care. Like, I just kind of expect that. You tried yours out in an indoor setting, and I did the outdoors. Yeah, and and the camera is sick. It's awesome. Found some interesting. I was going like, to say, see, when I when I upgrade phones, because my current battery keeps dying. Yeah, yeah, your your battery guy function as it cannot function as a phone for a whole day. Yeah, like mm-hmm. everybody has their own like, why am I getting a new phone? It's like I'm looking for these t- these things. So yeah, for me, it was definitely the camera. Um, also, the front-facing speakers are kind of nice, actually. But anyway, um, uh, so uh, free laundry, Jameson? Yeah, uh, so uh, you let me know about it. Like, from earlier in the week, she went to do a little laundry. She's like, oh, yeah, because our neighbors moved out, and I brought it up. I was like, oh, yeah, they moved out, and whatever, they're in their painting. And she's like, oh, yeah, they left a, a laundry card with, like, $2 loaded on it and a note in the laundry room. It was just like, oh, yeah, here's the card with $2 on it, so free load on us. And a bottle of Jameson. And I was like, did you grab the bottle? <laughs> and she's like, no. And I was like, well, I've got to go do some laundry. I'm going to go check on this laundry room Jameson thing. <laughs> and did I, you oh, drink the whole bottle? I no. have the bottle here, and there's that much, if, if you're watching, you I, can see. I have to question, missing. like, free Jameson. Like, what? Laundry room is it Jameson. really Jameson in well, there? Well, let's. I have. Let's yeah, do some it's taste. still Jameson. What's it say on the label, Chris? It says Jameson. I just. I. It's it still me. Jameson. It smells like Jameson. Let's let's see how. Like, why are you just so? What it was when I went pours, in there. Pours like Jameson. The bottle of Jameson was like holding down the paper with the note on it. You know. And it, it's opened. Like, keep in mind, it, it has been opened it's in the, the laundry room for like a week. So it's the already opened mm. part that worries me. I guess. So we're we're gonna. That's see, how you get yes. that. That's how you get that Jameson aged in Rufalin. You could be drinking poison right now. It's alcohol. I'm pretty sure it's already poison. <laughs> I was gonna say like. It ain't great for you. This will be the first on-air poisoning. <laughs> We're definitely uh, we getting pulled tag from Twitch. For Twitch, Brittany. Uh, do we have a? Do we, is there a tag in Twitch for? Uh, uh, for poison. Uh, you know. For death. Ritual Taste. suicide on stream. Tastes Probably. like Jameson. I'm gonna say it's just a free bottle of Jameson. Uh, we have to label it laundry room Jameson. It's the laundry room Jameson, and it's it's fine. It'll do fine. Look, I'll, I'll help you launder any kind of clothes next time I'm up. We, we, it has to be drink when we're doing laundry. So <laughs> besides this little little dram to test it and make sure it is indeed Jameson, that will be my laundry Jameson. Hmm. What if they did empty the bottle of Jameson and poured Johnny Walker in there? No, that's way too. That's an Johnny upgrade, Walker though. I think they would Johnny do Walker red. I, I could tell the difference between Johnny Walker and Jameson. I promise you that. <laughs> I, no, I know you can. I just meant I just would just find it funny if they they had drained one and went. You know what? We'll screw with them. Let's up vodka. Let's upsell them on this and yeah. pour some. Oh, pour some scotch in instead of this Irish whiskey. Oh, but aside from mm-hmm. that, um, my adventures in dentistry have continued. I had a. Another three-hour appointment 
for building up uh, my ruined tooth that I'm now two grand in on. At this point, I could have a nice shiny gold tooth, as has been pointed out to me, which if I had known in the beginning, I would have done that. I would have been Joe Pesci from Home Alone, walking around, giving that big toothy smile and letting it shine on all the light. But yeah, we're about two grand in on this tooth. This little tooth of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, and I'm not even done. I've got another appointment. Well, okay, I've got a cleaning. Not this this week, but the week after. I've got a cleaning. And I have to go back November 20th to finally get the effing crown, like the permanent crown installed on my (laughs) root canal tooth. And that should be it for that tooth. I have no idea what's left to pay. Because they were like, oh, yeah, it'd be about like $1,100 total. And I'm sitting here at 2000 going, you're like 900 over at this point. Uh, kind of off on that <laughs> estimate. Send them, send them a bill with that original estimate going, I need I need this back. Yeah, I'm going to try and dig it up because I was going to question it at my cleaning appointment. I was like, so what's left to charge me? Because you guys are way over. Hmm. So, yeah, that's apparently I'd, I live for the dentist. I'd. Well, you certainly did pay his car payment this month. I was going to say, like, he's got he's got stuff to pay for, too, Chris. Yeah, but we don't feel bad for doctors who have to pay for things. <laughs> to be fair, I've gone through the worst dental experiences pretty much you can go through, and I've not found them that bad. Mm. Uh, the only thing mm. that they'll just last... You're just saying everyone else is a pansy? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, tooth never bothered me once during any of it, because they're like, oh, is it how... How long has your tooth been hurting you when I came in? I was like, it hasn't. They're like, oh, well, then why are you here? I'm like, because half of it broke off. It doesn't hurt? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, that's a problem. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. (laughs) The problem is it's not much of a tooth anymore. The nerve's already dead anyways at this point. Actually, it wasn't. Uh, It just felt like it was half the tooth. And when I actually saw it, I got to see the pictures they took of it. It was like this little corner of it that was gone. And I was like... When I poke it with my tongue, it feels like half the thing's gone. But yeah, yeah now there's uh-huh. no nerve. Now there's nothing in there but whatever they filled it with, caulking or whatever. <laughs> Two of them. It was a nightmare. No, the dental hygienist. Now and... I gotta seal up this mouth for winter. Make sure no no hot air escapes. <laughs> they were like caulking guns. That the both I had two people in my mouth with caulking guns pushing. Yep. And I'm like, there's like. Just squeezing that stuff in there, and it's like leaking all over my mouth. And they're like, "Bite down!" And I'm like, "What's happening?" <laughs> Stop asking questions. They've got stuff in your mouth. They they have the power here. It was more like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah." But that, all right, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounds like fun. <laughs> well, the fun times in, in like the Walker household. In. <laughs> it's the type of laundry Jameson that rots out uh, all the dental work that's been done. Well, that's good. Let's get it in there. I, I got more. Got to get back to the dentist. Oh, jeez. Well, on a completely different note, um, we do have uh, another episode that'll hopefully be normal and on time and all that business. Don't you lie um, to me. <laughs> our next episode is Saturday, October. There's no date on there. I just realized. Uh, October twenty seventh. That's crazy. Um, I was going to say October 20... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Where are we at in October at this point? October 27th, 9 p.m. Eastern, covering Mexican lager and Dia de los Muertos. I feel like that second part was just added on because Bernie wants to talk about Dia de los Muertos. Yes. Yeah. Because it has nothing to do <laughs> okay. with... Nothing, as long as we're being honest about it. Nothing well, and, doing to drinking with unless you're pouring one out for your dead homie. That's, well, that's, that's the extent the, of... I can buy, I can buy some uh, Espelon. Yes. Espelon. And watch Coco. And oh, cry. Co- yeah, I feel right? like my homework for it needs to be to watch Coco. Oh, it's so good. I, can, I should get the Añejo. The, uh, the double X or triple X Añejo. Yeah, yeah. From Espelon. That black bottled one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead and get that. She's <laughs> like, yeah, you hadn't dropped that hundred dollars for that bottle. Yeah, um, but no, actually, it was because like Mexican lager seems like an odd thing to cover in October, and so I was like, oh, let's tie it into something that's you know themed around such things. So no, yeah. no, it's just Brittany likes that holiday and wants to talk about it, and that's fine. I mean, it's it's column A, column B. <laughs> 
So uh, anyway, yes. So there, there is that. That's happening next weekend, and that'll be fun. Um, then, of course, we have a winter movie draft update from the amazing Big Voice Jay. Big Voice Jay. Welcome to your movie draft minute presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of October 15, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except for herpes. Somehow it got upgraded to first class. Let's go to the scoreboard. Team Game Night is in last place, still waiting for their first film. Team Have a Drink is in fifth place, thanks to a strong debut from Halloween, bringing their total to $33.3 million. Team Vod Squad is in fourth place with $21.6 million. Team Movie Party is in third place with $35 million. And Across the Chasm is second place. And Drunk Kids Gaming with $156 million. And up top them all in first First place, it's Team Ritual Misery with $176 million. That's your movie draft minute. All totals are accurate as of our October 20th, 2018. Okay. They're uh, always so fun to listen uh, to. Big voice, Jay. National treasure. Yeah. Although, I have questions right now. Okay. All right. Give me a second. Yeah, continue talking. I So, I'm trying to think of like, as he's naming the teams off, I was like, what did they get again? Where are they at? <laughs> with 176 million already i was like yeah. well venom has to be one of the movies in that probably i can't remember the yeah. rest i'm trying to think of what else came out <laughs> but ours uh halloween is the only movie we have that's out right now yeah and we're, we're, it put us on the board which is the nice. 31 million is based off of two days yeah that, is, which is bananas <laughs> and it's after those two days it's the second highest grossing opening for any movie in october Damn. Uh, the only other movie to I mean, do better fairness, than it. That's not a super high bar, but October's not a big movie. Well, movie. yeah, because yeah, as far as Halloween-related movies go. Yeah. But uh, Halloween was projecting uh, the upper levels around seventy million for the weekend, which so, is pretty good for Halloween coming out a week before Halloween. So it's yeah. probably only gonna shoot. It's gonna it's gonna ride pretty steady. It'll drop, but not. Not a whole lot. And we really had to go on for us that there were no other draft-eligible movies opening this weekend. Hmm. True. Mm. But we needed it. it we I mean, really that's kind of what it. I was hoping for. There was a lot of mind planning on dates. And we really needed that one to show strong, and it is. So that's looking good for us. Yeah, it's a, and, you know, we're still in last place, but again, this is literally our first movie. Well, we're not in last place. Uh, oh uh, yeah, game nine's waiting for that's first right, that's right. That's right. So, as far as standings go, like we're people who are on the board now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. it's not bad. That's a good way to. That's a thirty million's not a bad thing to start with. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, another thing to remind you guys: don't forget coming up, Drinktacular. You can get all those uh, all those deets over at the website. And we've got a little thing there. Once we have them up. <laughs> once once things are actually scheduled and coming up on there. But if you're actually looking to just, you know, go ahead and make some plans to come down and hang out with all of us. Because I know that we are starting to get a few people committing to going. And if you're wanting to, yes, that's going to be down in sunny, beautiful North Carolina. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to bring up the page and... Um, might have to call IT because it's password locked. Oh, jeez. Why does it do that? Okay. <laughs> I will be fixing that soon. <laughs> soon, TM. <laughs> Tomorrow. So as soon as, as soon as IT gets on that, uh, <laughs> I, I'll submit my request right now. Yeah. There you go, have IT. You, have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> Squarespace? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, end of February. What... Uh, and I'm forgetting right now. I gotta just pull up a calendar and look. I'm like, oh god, guys, uh, we're doing weekend of the 22nd. Mm, yeah, I remember it was like definitely near 22nd, the end. 23rd, uh, <laughs> down in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. So if you're looking to uh, go ahead and get your Airbnbs or whatever, you're, you know, everybody's got their favorite places down there that they want to stay. It's like a dollar shuttle from the airport down there to get to downtown where all the ho- all the hotels are. If you're wanting to fly in. Uh, and we're all just going to hang out and go hopping around from brewery to brewery and scheduling a, a few tours at some big-name places. 
So once all that's up, we'll let you guys know there may or may not be a small ticket that would just cover the fees that it took to book all the tours because most of those aren't really free, especially some of the behind the scenes ones that we're going for. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the behind the scenes ones. Hmm. Me very much so as well. I'm j- I just want to go see Sierra it's just, Nevada. Well, it's just, I want to go behind things. <laughs> I want to see Sierra Nevada's operation down there. Everyone, every time I bring it up, there's like, oh, have you been? I'm like, no. <laughs> G- give me a break. I have. You're going to enjoy it. <sighs> I know you've been. <laughs> Sorry. All good. Well, you know what isn't all good? Let's get into the news so we can talk. Uh. Let's all remove our hats for just a moment and remember fondly. All about beer. I feel like I'm the only one that has to do that. <laughs> the hat, yeah. All about beer magazine is no more. The entire company has folded. That's boom, boom, crazy. Boom. Print is dead. <laughs> Educated craft beer drinkers are singing a dirge called The Day Beer Journalism Died. After a noted contributor to All About Beer magazine uh, penned a blog post Tuesday declaring the venerable 39-year-old publication wow. dead. After spending two weeks uh, chasing a tip that the magazine's days were numbered and confirming that editor Daniel Hertus had left author Jeff Allworth, uh, whose most current relationship with the magazine was to record podcasts for the website, concluded that the title would be no more. Uh, in a tweet, mm. it was a pleasure for me to write for the magazine, he wrote, uh, in his Beervana blog, and I'm deeply disappointed that it's all ending this way. Huh. Though uh, Allworth acknowledged, he last heard from publisher Chris Rice early in our early October when he received an email uh, chirpily reassuring him that all was well and that he was piloting a significant shift in the business. Well... I mean, I mean, closing it down is pretty significant. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Allworth documents the facts that led up to his unwavering assertion. Uh, reporters and editors have complained for years about late and missed paychecks. Oh. And recent editor John Hull uh, and at least 10 other staffers left their positions because of bounced checks and failure to make vendor payments. Ouch. Yeah, those are that's that, that, that's bad. After buying competitor Draft Magazine in 2017, issues began to arrive sporadically. Only a few came this year, and I see uh, the company last posted online or on social media in late September. DraftMag.com, however, has posted within the last week. Rice has <laughs> promised refunds to Draft and uh, all about beer subscribers. That never came. Rice remains the only personnel listed on the website's masthead. Jeez. Allworth told uh, told, uh, the writer on Wednesday that he felt comfortable publishing without final confirmation because, quotes, I think the failure to announce the obvious that All About Beer is defunct uh, gives the owner room to maneuver with uh, creditors. I wrote the piece because, while Rice is the only one who can confirm the magazine's actual status, silence has been damning to those connected to the magazine. One former uh, contributor calls Rice a con man, while others worry about outstanding checks. Former partners and longtime editor Julie Johnson says, uh, on top of the feeling of deep sadness, fury and relief at Allworth's pronouncement after four grueling years under Rice... I have open invoices dating back to 2014 for writing and editing. Personal loans. Wow. Uh, Magazine purchase. You name it. I emailed Rice Wednesday. I emailed Rice Wednesday afternoon and received no response. In a mournful trend for journalism, too many beer magazines have cut back production or folded in recent years, leaving precious few in circulation but two factors uh, elicit much more hand-wringing than usual over the collapse of this particular one. To dispense with the quickest first, a lot of stakeholders feel this could have been prevented. Johnson, who resigned long after I should have, says Rice's leadership, didn't go as intended. 
after her ex-husband retired and sold him the company in 2014 after two decades of ownership. Chris took over All About Beer, then sold the World Beer Festivals, also part of our company, to fund the purchase of Draft. Oh. Ooh. That may not have been a good decision. Yeah. Uh, he envisioned it. Well, am- like when they did that last year and they're closing this year, I feel like it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's one of those hindsight things, though, because uh, so mm. far the evidence has been things weren't all that great before that, and that may have been the hell, well, you know, what he thought was the Hail Mary effort. He have been like, you know what, if we ditch these festivals and move over and take over draft, that might be, you know, cornering the journalism side of it might be what saves us and it wasn't he envisioned an ambitious beer communication hub for lack of a better word uh i was not in the loop but it appeared that he overextended well that's a big you don't say a long article yeah hole now senior editor at craft beer and brewing magazine and an occasional editor uh over at forbes puts the situation into larger context by telling Allworth what happened with All About Beer is not so much about the current state of print, but more because of mismanagement by the current ownership. So what they're trying to say, I guess, is uh, it's not that print's dead. It's just that... This guy mm, sucks. Yeah, this guy is <laughs> not not good at his job at all. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't think... Obviously, the sales of print, like magazines and whatnot... Still not great, um, but at the same time, yeah, this guy sounds like he does not know how to manage Jack. Like, 2014 open invoices? Like, that that stresses me out. It's just that the person who's got to be closing invoices the beginning of next week because the month's ending. Oh, uh, also talk about it. <laughs> but they, uh, they go on that it, uh, there, there is room, there is hope. Uh, there's room left for the hope that someone with more business experience can buy and revive it. So the true heartbreak for most uh, is a sometimes contributor to All About Beer and a student of craft beer history. Uh, harkens back to 1979, long before social media brought its upheaval to journalism. Yeah, okay, this is that's kind of bugging me. Oh, social media is killing journalism. Boo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe break the story before someone on Twitter? I don't know. Just a thought. You know, they've got to type something in, you know, so many words. The other person has to type 280 characters. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's just look at it this way. I mean, BrewDog now has a beer network. Let's just get, you know, get a (laughs) 24-hour beer news network going on there. That's what we need, yeah. Breaking, breaking oh. beer news. I don't know. Thoughts on this? Because this thing goes on forever. I'm not just gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, this whole it's, thing it's off. We'll be here. Kind of sad, but at the same time, like, I don't. I, I wonder how how much longer, even in someone better hands, a, a, a you know somewhat niche magazine could keep going on. Yeah, I see. At least, like, I don't want to say like it. You know, it just doesn't seem like there's enough enough in the market for it to keep going on indefinitely. So, well, and and all about beer. Like, it was literally like that's that's what their bread and butter was essentially. Whereas you have other places yeah. like like Paste Magazine, for example, they branched of, out. Like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on with it. And Paste is a beer is included, but, but it's, it's not also the main a, focus. It's a lifestyles magazine. Yeah. So, like, I, mm-hmm. it feels like not only were they not trying to branch out a bit, and you when you already have, like, the print is dying problem, but this the, you know, this guy sucking as, as manager <laughs> didn't help things at all. Well, and then you've got, um, they're referencing uh, Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, and that's, yeah, if you're going to talk about beer, also come in on the brewing aspect and get with home brewers and you can talk about new equipment there and what's i mean that really opens you up because you have a lot of people into the hobby they're going to keep that going and you you're not just talking about you know the mass the mass beer out there because how many as we felt in the past how many tasting episodes can you do <laughs> how many articles can you do comparing this ipa to that ipa yeah 
Uh, so it sounds like like the writing was on the wall for it, and it, like this was just going to happen. Yeah, and all the people behind the scenes. Well, I mean, that... the writing was especially on the wall when when checks weren't getting paid. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and when checks were bouncing. But those like they were saying that stuff has been happening for like the past two years. That's been happening. So uh, I yeah. guess they've just been bounce you know bouncing checks until the bank probably stepped in. Mm. <laughs> that's just I can't even imagine. Mm. Yeah, it will end, like, at least as far as that article was concerned, they haven't officially announced that it was closing. <laughs> oh, no, no. As of right now, they haven't. But that's still, that's uh, what they were saying, there's still a chance that they'll just sell. Like, it hmm. It may not be dead dead, yeah. but for the moment, don't expect anything coming out of them, because apparently there's no staff. You, yeah. have, you have one man sitting in a big office doing who knows what. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all that's there, but I promise you, he's not getting you a magazine right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I almost bought a subscription uh, last year. He's really looking outside him. windows, wondering where it all went wrong. Wringing his hands. Just standing there with a cup of coffee. Actually, no, he probably can't afford the coffee. No, he's he's the meme of the dog sitting in the cafe, and it's on fire. And he's yeah. Like, this <laughs> is fine. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. Hey. All, right. all right. Well, well uh, hopefully some better news, I guess, and that we have... Uh, an, an untapped badge <laughs> not like five but we have one and that's exciting get riggedy riggedy well yeah no we've got one uh, for hashtag collab fest 2018 speaking of brewdog uh, hmm. yeah brewdog's hashtag collab fest is back in 2018 with many bars pouring 52 collaboratively brewed beers from the best craft brewers in the UK. Every single one of them is on offer and brewed with a bar crew from one of uh, BrewDog's locations. And late summer, each BrewDog location pairs up with an amazing local brewery. The staff heads over to create a beer uh, at an uh, a beer entirely of their choice. The style, ingredients, and asp- inspiration is up is all up to them. Uh, to earn this badge, check into four different beers from the list of 52 beers brewed yeah. for hashtag collab fest 2018. Oh my. Sorry, I keep uh, at a brew dog location. That's also key uh, between October 18th and 21st. So not a whole lot of time oh, to do t- that tomorrow. one tomorrow. Okay. This weekend. This weekend. Oh, well, that one kind of crept up on us. So, by the time you're hearing this, it's done. I hope you got it. <laughs> because we also had yeah. the uh, untapped anniversary badge that was this past weekend from the time you're listening to this. Mm. I managed to score that one. And, oh, I was going to say, I think that's the only badge I've gotten recently. But no, I got the uh, Founders uh, mm-hmm. Breakfast Stout for Dinner badge. Oh, the, the annual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of these sound really good too. It's kind of upsetting. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just ending now. It's ending, and they're all uh, over the pond as they. Well, like see, to it say. said it's, yeah, you it have said to be at, at a, one of their locations to get them, but but that's the thing. Like it said, at a brew dog location, that doesn't count. The one in Columbus. The one in Columbus it, wouldn't have. And any you know of what? These. That may that's that's the one I was thinking it may. The one in Columbus probably wouldn't have any of these because again, these this is all partnered with. I think breweries in the UK. Mm. Well, some of these, yeah. It, that one is an Italian grape ale, and I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm down. Oh yeah. yeah, that could be very interesting. Ooh. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just like looking through some of the ones on the list. Like, okay, okay. I am intrigued. <laughs> um, but yeah. So isn't this uh, the event? That? We we didn't cover the news story ever. I mean, we talked personally about it and decided not to use the story. But this is the whole event that that one uh, brewery threw the thing out there and decided to like make the beer for Trump, and they put out the big. Um, they were like, I don't think it was for this. I think that was like actually someone that Brewdog distributed for. Oh, okay. I don't think it was for Collab Fest. Okay, I thought it might have been. But yeah, no. All right, well let's I start think we making. We have a topic though. Yeah, let's make it. a little sense with some topic. Been on that truck. Maybe it's been a while since I've had Jameson, but this this might smell like there's laundry detergent in it. I don't know. Could be in my mind. <laughs> it has been in there. Uh, you know, what's more likely than a Ruflum filled Jameson? 
because roofies are expensive. Hmm. Um, but you have, detergent? To, you have to be on a Cosby budget to do that. Um, oh. Is Somebody went in there and was just like, oh, ho, ho, I'm just going to mess up somebody and put detergent in it. No, there's, you would see that hanging around in there because that would be a would thick, so. bluish clump. Uh, maybe they were so using worried, Jameson though. as their laundry detergent. <laughs> yeah, maybe they make their own. Ancient Kentucky secret. <laughs> Indeed. Kills bacteria. <laughs> well... <laughs> So we talked about some of the modern uses of the word cocktail in uh, last week's episode with uh, the beer cocktails. Uh, the original use for the word, however, has a number of stories associated with it. One of the stories comes from New Orleans where a double-ended egg uh, egg cup would be used where the jigger cup today is used to measure out ingredients. The device was named a uh, coquetteur which was said uh, by a drunken patron may be slurred into the word cocktail. I think we also talked about in our cocktail episode that was complete and utter horse malarkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it? I think so. Horse malarkey. The book was, was lending some... Because... Um, because they, yeah, they also talk about like how there's like feathers and... No, all of that's garbage. Oh, yeah, 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 the feather side of this. But the jigger does look like the double-sided egg cup, and it very well would have probably been the same same type of, of measuring device. Uh, yeah, but th- th- that seems as, as it, whatever. Anyway, uh, this doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, the word cocktail doesn't just encompass alcoholic drinks, uh, it was quite specific, just as a fizz, sour, or sling, toddy, or even julep, uh, have a basic recipe, so did the cocktail. In May 13th, 1806 edition of the Hudson uh, New York newspaper, the editor responded to a letter and wrote the cocktail basic recipe uh, considered of any kind of spirit, sugar, water, and bitters, which is what we're talking about today. Well, gradually, the word cocktail expanded... Uh, expanded to encompass a number of mixed drinks and has become ubiquitous even among the four main ingredients, uh, even as one of the more, uh, four main ingredients died off in popular culture, culture until recently. So the main question uh, that many have is, why is, what is bitters exactly? Uh, the human tongue contains a number of different flavors, ranging from the basic like salty, sweet, and sour to more complex like umame, uh, and even fatty, uh, uh, along with other number of other tastes uh, that we were just learning about. One taste sensation that has probably helped us uh, progress as a species more than any other is the taste of bitter. Bitter is commonly associated with toxins in the natural environment, and humans have a predisposition to reject uh, reject bitter flavors. Hmm. This bitter aversion has been one of the reasons our species has been able to coexist with so many poisonous plants. Because, you know, you start tasting and go, no, spit this out. Don't swallow. <laughs> Ipecac hasn't been invented yet. Uh, the human body is just a few taste receptors uh, types for salty or sweet, while more than 30 different types for bitter receptors. Uh, our, body are, our bodies are un, uh, usually very good at determining when something will kill us by taste. Uh, humans have, uh, in the more recent centuries, been able to discuss amongst uh, uh, amongst one another a document that will kill us and what is just better. There are also genetic factors that have uh, emerged to determine if a person tastes bitterness lower or at higher levels. It's kind of the same uh, thing. As, even the you human know... gut contains receptors to determine what we are eating. That craving your body gives you when something is uh, really meaty or salty can uh, be satisfied in part because your gut picks up on the taste of what you've eaten. In that same vein, if the gut picks up bitter flavors, you can uh, reduce the nutrient absorption and increase the uh, gut uh, motility to get those potentially toxic compounds out of the body or, you know, throwing up. Yeah. Oh, the other way. Oh. Going out the... Yep, speed them up. Out the pooper. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so it may be that this function gave rise to the first real use of bitters as a medicinal or pre-meal drink. Uh, 
Monks have long produced bitter drinks to taste at, taken as medicine, you know, sometimes with a spoonful of sugar. Uh, some of these types of drinks are still found in the forms of Chartreuse Jägermeister, which always tastes like cough syrup, uh, Fernet Branca, or Campari. Ah, hmm. uh, Jägermeister. Blech. Tastes Blech. like college. So does the Jameson, <laughs> to be honest. Ah, uh, Jägermeister. Tastes like regret. Yeah. Got a bottle in there. <laughs> I don't need more regrets. How old is it? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Has it just congealed in the that, bottle? That, that is not an aging thing, that's for sure. It's got deer blood. Oh. <laughs> Aged in codeine. You know, maybe we need to do an episode over Jägermeister and really, really get to the bottom of a bottle. Mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, the episode, sure, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not even going to I mean, it. we're going to do it, but I'm going to feel terrible. All right. Uh, these types, however, are uh, what would be considered cocktail bitters. These are taken in larger drink or shot form. Today, however, we will focus on what is called an aromatic bitter. These are usually used in only a few drops added to a cocktail. They add complex aromas and flavors to the drink and are like, uh, like the spice rack of the cocktail world, since you only need a few drops to change the whole character of a drink. Little, little bit. You need pinches. That's that's pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. Just a, you, you don't want a pinch of oregano, or <laughs> say don't don't go nuts in the time. <laughs> take it take it easy on the rosemary, and for the love of God, just cut the cilantro right out. Uh, <laughs> ar- aromatic bitters were being applied to drinks in England as early as the 1700s. These drinks would tend to be doled out uh, in small doses or poured into drinks as the dasher top uh, had not yet been added. Whew, so that, that would be dangerous. <laughs> get, get just a little more than you were expecting. The rise of the temperance movement probably helped bitters come uh, to its first pop culture boom in the U.S. during the 1850s. Taking a dash of highly alcoholic bitters would be considered medicine, much mm. like NyQuil today, and was not looked down upon like traditional drinking would be. Sure. <laughs> remember our, uh, remember one of our friends in college just drinking straight bitters. Yeah. Oh. I, I kept thinking of that. Ooh. Just I could like not do it. Had a flask that he would put bitters in, just to watch him just tip it back, and you just go. Oh. No. No. How do you get through that? Aromatic bitters are even taxed differently since they are considered non-drink or non-portable alcohol or non-potable alcohol, even though they can contain more than fifty percent ABV. Lord. It's a potent potable. Potent. Yeah. Uh, what was what was the uh, during the news show? We were talking about a a whiskey that was over. Yeah, the fifty percent uh, 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 bourbon from is it Mitchner's? Mixers. Yeah. It was like 57%. And it's like, at what point does this become rubbing alcohol? It was cons- uh, 70. <laughs> it was considered a normal behavior to have a daily nip of stomach bitters where the real benefit was probably related to a kick of high proof alcohol. <laughs> Aromatic bitters do tend to have the ability. Makes me feel better. To- yeah. Aromatic bitters do have the ability to enhance digestion and gastric emptying. So if you overindulge in a large Thanksgiving meal, uh, a bitter drink, a bitter drink could help you feel better more quickly. And just no, no, I'm going to go ahead and say no on that one. Don't, don't ruin, don't ruin a meal like that. Uh, Don't ruin a meal with pumpkin pie. No, no, no. You you want the pumpkin pie. You just don't want to get ready for it in that fashion. Because you're not going to be able to control what's going on. Hmm. All right. Uh, unscrupulous snake <laughs> Nothing oil... Nothing about Thanksgiving says control. <laughs> well, that's true. Unscrupulous snake oil salesman, however, uh, took the health benefit out of bitters, or took the health benefit of bitters, and stretched the truth quite a lot. What started as a digestive help turned into a drink that would give you vitality and life. It would cure cancer and return your sex life. If only. Oh, wow. All in one all in one glass. I know, yeah. it would just be so convenient. <laughs> one vintage advertisement for bitters promised to strengthen, invigorate, tone, and rebuild the entire system. 
By the mid-1800s, bitters had become a multi-million dollar industry with hundreds of brands available. Now, now what kind of industry current day <laughs> seems to have snake oil salesmen uh, for products and is following in, it seems to be these exact same footsteps. <laughs> Hmm, hmm. Entire entire companies selling such things <laughs> under the under the name of GNC. Uh, uh Dr. J. Hostetters mm-hmm. stomach bitters from Lancaster, Pennsylvania were forty seven percent alcohol and sold as medicine, but were sold by the shot in Alaskan saloons. I mean that's one way whatever to Whatever you can take in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Well at that point it's pretty much whatever you can get. Bitters were supplied to the Union troops during the Civil War as a positive protective against the fatal maladies of southern swamps and the poisonous tendency of the impure rivers and bayous. It also may have been good as a liquid courage for the battlefield. Yeah, I'd say more so for that last one. And the, as for the top one, it would, it would just be to make you forget that you were dealing with those things. You say the po- positive protective... i got malaria. Here, take some bitters. Positive protective against the fatal maladies of the southern swamps. And I'm, in my head, I was just like, by giving you swamp ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's man, that's a, a, that's a weird euphemism they've got there. Yeah. It's giving you a bigger problem is what it's giving you. It's like, well... Your your locale may suck, but now now you've got the mud butt. Yeah, <laughs> you've got more <laughs> pressing matters. But for mm. the snake oil salesman, things uh, had been too good. And in 1906, Congress passed the Pure Food and Drug Act. Bitters, which had been sold uh, as patented medicines, now had to list their ingredients and were no longer allowed to use words like cure on their labels. <laughs> good. Womp womp. Ugh. All right. Uh, with the passage of the Volstead Act, that womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, notorious thing we just can't <laughs> get away from, uh, in 1919, bitters suffered another big hit. Almost all of the bitters brands were gone, except for just a few, including Pie Shouds and Ag- Agasura. Yeah. Uh, the culture. Angostura. It's uh. misspelled there, I think. Oh, okay. Either way, uh, names well. Wow. Um, the culture had changed so, uh, the culture had changed so even bitters were being considered an accessory to booze. The cocktail culture pre-prohibition also changed, and what had previously been looked at as a classy balance, or classy and balanced treat, moved into the speakeasies where illicit and sometimes tainted booze were served. Hmm. Uh, the balance was gone, and instead of pure liquors served with a dash of bitters for spice... The culture opened up to strongly flavored juices to come uh, to cover over the inferior booze. By the time prohibition was over, cocktail culture had been permanently dealt a serious blow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after World War II, Ang- Angostura and Pie Shouds or whatever uh, were the only two surviving bitters companies. It wasn't until 1951 when Fee Brothers came out with a basic aromatic and orange bitters that the cocktail world had any variety. The company had survived... Hey, five, oh, fum. <laughs> I smell the rum of an Englishman. Uh, the company had survived prohibition by making syrups and communion wine. Oh, that's smart. Good job. Uh, they also made, it, uh, made do-it-yourself non-alcoholic beer kits warning consumers not to add yeast because it may create alcohol. Uh, During the 50s, 60s, and 70s, classic cocktails were no longer the rage, with consumers focusing on vodka and gin-based cocktails. A pina colada has no use for bitters, so even the bitters available just sat on the shelf. Yeah, that'd be gross. Um, (laughs) I mean, I prefer to toss my pina colada out into the rain. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm not a fan of pina coladas, just to begin with, I guess. Um... It really wasn't until the late 1980s that cocktail culture saw the first glimmer of hope in nearly 100 years. Classy New York City bars started to change their whole outlook on cocktails, substituting fresh ingredients for the old syrupy and sugary juices. This, along with the invention of the internet, sure, helped give rise to a rebirth or renaissance of craft cocktails from the pre-prohibition era. 
Just a few short years ago, there were only three brands of bitters on the market, which is in stark comparison to the hundreds available today. Bitters range from the classic brands, like the two we've talked about, uh, to the semi-classic, like the Fee Brothers West Indian Orange Bitters, Old Mm. Fashioned, and Whiskey Barrel Aged Bitters. Today, we have brands like The Bitter Truth, which produces lemon bitters, chocolate bitters, and creole bitters. Ooh. Yes, please, all in all of those. Uh, <laughs> some of the most varied bitters may come from the Bitterness Bitters, or uh, Bitterman's Bitterness. Bitters. Okay, that is just the worst name. Uh, a company with just their... men who are bitter. Yeah. With, uh, a company with their chocolate, chili, and cinnamon mole bitters, or hopped grapefruit bitters. Very interesting. Um, all of these different bitters are now used like the spice cabinet of the bar cart. Each style can add something to a drink and add depth to an experience. To understand how we got to this type of bitters culture, it helps to understand how bitters are made. All bitters contain three main components. Alcohol, the bittering agent, and aromatics. So the first of the three is alcohol, of course. Most bitters are made with high-proof spirits ranging from 40 to 60% alcohol in their finished form. The alcohols can be bourbons, ryes, vodkas, high-proof rum, or even neutral grain spirits like uh, your standard Everclear. The alcohol forms the base but won't really show itself in the final cocktail. The choice of alcohol, however, can change the flavor of the bitter itself if consumed or tasted alone. So it may be a good idea to choose an alcohol that will match well with flavors that will be combined for the finished product. The alcohol is also a solvent, which helps to draw out the flavors and the bittering agent and the aromatics. The alcohol is a base character for the spices that will be added later. Second is the bittering component. And there are many bitter components that uh, the herbalism world can uh, bring around. Some of the most common would be angelica root. uh, I think it's spelled... Chinchona or chinchona or chinchona bark, uh, Genesha root, forehound, licorice root, wild cherry bark, and wormwood. These compounds add the bitter kick to bitters. Um, they vary in intensity of bitterness, so when making bitters, it's important to kind of balance the bittering qualities. Um, these herbs, roots, barks, and botanicals are used in solid form instead of powders, since so it makes it easier for them to be strained out later on. They can also add some flavor to the bitters, more than just the bitter flavor. A bark or root may add woody notes to the final product. So bitterness is a flavor, but the key differentiating factor of a bitter comes from its aromatics. So aromatics are responsible for the primary flavor profile. and can be used alone or together in a blend with multiple complementing flavors. I didn't realize this, but the difference in a tincture and a bitter is that a tincture is a single compound in alcohol, where a bitter is multiple compounds coming mm. together. Mm. So these can consist of spices like allspice, anise, caraway, cardamom, coriander, clove, cinnamon. Um, they also can contain botanicals like lavender, peppermint, hibiscus, or even hops. And they might even have coffee, cocoa nibs, or citrus peel. Now I'm curious about trying to do like a... Uh, uh, Beer barrel aged whiskeys with a uh, the hot uh, yes. bitters to see what that does for a cocktail. Especially something like uh, a really citrusy mosaic or cigar. Yeah. To make a bitter, the blender will pick the correct spices, herbs, and botanicals to combine with the perfect alcohol in the bitter agent. And each of these compounds works best when left in the alcohol for a certain amount of time, ranging from just a few days to more than uh, multiple months. Uh, the blender will select when to add each compound also to preserve the freshness of some ingredients or to leach out the most flavor in other ingredients. And there really are three classic cocktails that feature bitters the best, and those are kind of like the, the ones that really show what bitters can do. All right, so let's start with Sazerac, which is not Zatarain, which is what pops in my head every time I say it. <laughs> hmm. Uh, we, we pulled this recipe from uh, the Rack, uh, uh, from the website how how the Sazerac came to be. So it's got a little bit of information about it. Uh, in 1838, Antoine Amide Gachon, 
uh, owner of a New, or- uh, New Orleans uh, apothecary, treated his friends to brandy toddies with his own recipe, including his Peychaud bitters, made from a secret family recipe of 11 herbs and bitters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, the toddies were made using uh, a double-ended egg cup, uh, a measuring cup or jigger, uh, then known as a coquette. Or, or pronounced coquette. Coquette. Sure. Um, all I'm thinking of is roots. Coquette. Um, coquette. Uh, from which the word cocktail derives. Uh, sorry, there's like a dozen ways they think they get cocktail name to be. It's one of those things uh, that people uh, are going to argue over forever as to where the name came from. Mm. Yeah, right. That's uh, Anyway, thus the first cocktail was born. In uh, 1850, Sazerac cocktail made with Sazerac French brandy, uh, Peychaud's bitters, and it was immensely popular. It became first brandied cocktail. Branded, sorry. Say brandy and branded. Hmm. Hmm. You know, they run together. Uh, in 1837, the recipe for Sazerac cocktail was altered to replace French brandy with American rye whiskey and a dash absinthe was added. You know, Ew. for no reason. <laughs> Why not? It's absinthe is just cheap French liquor that they put mythology around. You know, we need Why to uh, we need to do an episode on absinthe. Yeah, we do, so I can be really ornery the entire time. <laughs> And I really... Also has a tendency to be high proof, so yeah. And the, the yeah, I know fun. everyone thinks that that the the wormwood wormwood makes you right. yeah. see things. No, you're just drunk. And the wine industry wanted to do spirit camping. Yeah. No, there's a whole lot of just negative press, and they decided to turn around to their own. Anyway, in 1933, the Sazerac cocktail was bottled and uh, marketed by the Sazerac Company of New Orleans. Uh, that same year. Herb Saint, a, a Asus? Pasties? Pasties? <laughs> Probably not pasties. that one. I'm going with Pasties. I, I don't know. Casey agrees with Pasties. <laughs> uh, it was made according to a French recipe. Uh, Herb Saint was uh, so named for the New Orleans term for wormwood or, or uh, Herb Saint. Uh, in 1940, the official Sagarac cocktail recipe was modified to use herbsaint instead of absinthe. Finally, in 2000, the official Sazerac cocktail recipe was modified to use Sazerac Kentucky straight rye whiskey. And this is the recipe that we have now. The official Sazerac cocktail. One cube of sugar, one and a half ounces of uh, uh, Sazerac uh, rye whiskey, uh, one quarter ounce of herb saint, three dashes of Pichard's bitters, and a lemon peel. Hmm. Good luck finding the Sazerac rye whiskey. Found it right here. So yeah. I, would, I would think the hardest thing to find would be the the herb saint or whatever. Sazerac's not that easy to stumble across. No, no. Fun. Lemon peel. That's the hardest one. Guys. That was the hard one in my kitchen. <laughs> all right. Got all the uh, lime you want. This. Well, let's go to what's, you know, also probably the second most popular one here for uh, for the bitters. Old-fashioned. Uh, you pack an old-fashioned glass with ice uh, in a second old-fashioned glass. Place the sugar cube and add... Uh, now, how did we say this one? We've just been kind of winging it. <laughs> Peychaud's. Peychaud's bitters to it. Then crush the sugar cube. Add the Sazerac rye whiskey to the second glass containing the Peshad's bitters and sugar. Uh, empty the ice from the first glass and coat the glass with the herb saint, then discard the remaining herb saint. Uh, empty the whiskey, bitters, sugar mixture from the second glass into the first glass and garnish with a lemon peel. Uh, so in and your old that fashioned, is how you make the Sazerac. That's the Sazerac. Oh. Sorry. Oh, I was they, like, they said old fashioned glass, and that that threw us off. Yep. Oh. Well, fine. Uh, however, it it's not that dissimilar to making a uh, to making a uh, old fashioned. Hmm. I thought that was like wait, herb saint. What's happening? <laughs> okay. The old fashioned. You're going to substitute out. Uh, you're going to get rid of the herb saint. And you're going to uh, swap out some uh, lemon for some orange. 
Indeed. Generally, it's going to be more of a set. And Angostura instead of uh, uh, the charts. Picards. Pichard. I wanted to Picards. say Picards. Picards. So <laughs> bad. Hold. Pichard. All right. And last up of the classic cocktails is the Manhattan. The Manhattan, definitely a little bit different compared to the others, I think. Um, the earliest known printed recipe for the Manhattan was published in O.H. Byron's 1884 Modern Bartender's Guide, which cites two versions, one made with French vermouth and the other with Italian vermouth. Um, Ooh. Yes. So the ingredients here, you've got two ounces of rye whiskey, um, seems to be the, the general theme. One ounce of Carpano Antica formula or other sweet vermouth. Uh, two dashes of the Angostura bitters. Ice. And of course, the cherry. <laughs> so. I typically see Manhattan served up with no ice. Yep. Ice you would stir in. Stir in. And then strain. Yeah, isn't that how that, um, on that Modern Rogue episode, how the, the that bartender they always get made that one Manhattan? Like, I, I definitely I don't so. remember him but for putting ice in it. Do you have to say, yeah, if any of these drinks uh, are sounding intriguing to you, go, if you need, like, a real good visual representation of what you need to get and what you need to be doing, uh, go check out the Modern Rogue, one of their first, like, mixology. I think it was, like, the first that they had done. Real early on, uh, yeah. they did Manhattans and old they fashioned, the sweet and sour thing. Yeah, and, yeah, like that was just all. I, yeah. So for some reason, Manhattans in my head always seem red, even though it's like there's just a cherry in there. Nothing else should color it. But for whatever reason, vermouth if it was red vermouth, maybe, but not not a lot. Mm. For whatever reason, yeah, vermouth. like they get tinted red. That's just it seems to be a thing. Probably depends on the cherry too. Like if you're using the the really fancy cherries that Casey uses. <laughs> Um, probably wouldn't be as red. Beautiful, beautiful cherries. I, I think mean, I still have some cherries. So those are delicious. Fancy cherries. The last time I made cocktails in my refrigerator. But if you use the maraschino, I imagine it's just going to be like, yeah, really red. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, plastic with some cherry flavor juice. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying not to go there, but I was like, yeah, I mean, let's be serious. Um, okay. Well, let's get into um, some of our beverages. Drink with me, friend. Yeah, so Bob and I are drinking the same thing. I'll just explain what's in it, and he can talk about the flavor a little bit. Um, this is... I don't know. This is... So, uh, in the glass, we didn't have any of the other um, absinthe or anything along those lines to put in here. So, I started with Pim's number one cup, which should have some of the same types of flavors as uh, any of the other Amaro's or absinthe. And so, I took that in the glass, frozen glass, um, and it's a rocks glass sort of whiskey, kind of a old fashioned like glass. Yeah. But froze the glass, swirled around some Pim's cup um, in that. That way you can get a little bit of that bitterness flavor to start with. Start with, I don't know, four ounces for two drinks, four ounces of Sazerac rye whiskey. Then I think I did four splashes of. Angostura bitters and six splashes of Pachad's bitters. Hmm. Um, stirred for 25 seconds and strained into the two glasses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's you can still taste very much the direct rye, but the, uh, the bitters give it a nice little little highlight at the end of it. It, it, it gets more not necessarily aromatic because I'm not you can smell it a little bit, but it's it it coats the tongue a little bit easier with uh, some of the flavors. It's, it's got a little bit of bite at the end, that alcoholic bite, that that, that bitterness puck bite. Yeah. Hmm. So you guys dries out. You did a version of the Sazerac cocktail, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just an just, alteration. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Sazerac for an emergency. <laughs> I don't. I don't carry any of the. Uh, New Orleans absinthe or whatever it was oh, called. Oh, the Herb Saint herbs. or whatever, yeah. Yeah, Herb Saint, and I don't have any um, of the crazy liquor. Um, <laughs> absinthe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who does? We used to, and then, you know, you go through the bizarre ritual for preparing an absinthe, and then you're like, eh, it's not really worth it. 
just we just need to get rid of this. <laughs> so I do have to say, um, I came to the conclusion of why we can't call it uh, Picards bitters because Is what would Picards? what would the Pichards or whatever? Oh, okay, yeah. because I heard Justin wanting to call it the Picards, and then in my head I'm like, but what would Sorry. Picards bitters be? And then I stopped, and in the back of my Earl mind, Grey. it went Earl Grey <laughs> tea, hot. Yep. That yes. was, that's what Picard's bitters would be. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I am not. Well, I was not drinking to style. Uh, we're empty now. I was drinking a breakfast stout from Founders Brewing. Why? Mm. Because there was an untapped badge, and it's just damn oh. delicious. And there's a bunch of stuff. I was going to say, different. because it's tasty? It is damn tasty. All the time, anytime. Uh, it's an oatmeal stout. At 8.3% ABV, 60 IBUs. I never get over the IBUs on that because it doesn't show. Uh, beer Advocate score of 4.51 out of 5. For as long as that beer has been around, I think that score is amazing to hold. Even some of the best yeah. beers, when, they're, you know, when they've been around for a decade or longer, people just start talking crap about them. But that one has managed to hold up. Uh, the brewery's description, the coffee lover's consummate beer. Brewed with an abundance of flaked oats, bitter, and imported chocolates, and two types of coffee. This stout has an intense, fresh-roasted Java nose topped with a frothy, cinnamon-colored head that goes forever. That it does. Forever. And I was uh, topping everything off with some uh, some laundry Jameson. And now I was going to say some laundry whiskey. Some laundry whiskey, and now laundry whiskey is all laundry. <laughs> And now my insides are downy soft. Say, I swear to God, if you don't wake up tomorrow, I'm just going to be like, I, 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 somebody just killed you. Like well, somebody no. just spiked a Jameson somehow. We'll know. We'll this know is, why. This is really how Brittany does it. She's going it, to assassinate Chris because she actually put the. She was the, the one that in came in time. and was like, "Hey, there's a there's just a bottle of Jameson hanging out in the laundry room. I see now." And then I walk in there and it's already open, and I'm like, "Well, it's a pretty much full bottle of Jameson." It's the fastest way to kill any of us, I feel like. Leave up, leave a mostly full bottle of some kind of liquor. You go. I mean, it'd be a shame to waste it. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, that's kind of the last thing I want to do, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't right. know. I want, my, I want my liver well laundered. Chris, save some of that. <laughs> mm. All right. I'm not doing anything fun, so if I'm just going to move on, I think. that's it for the show today, yeah. we can ask our listeners to subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget to tell us your favorite drink. Ask us a question or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Yeah, guys, all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. Laundry, uh, whiskey, and all. Uh, <laughs> Drink your your detergent whiskey responsibly. Uh, uh, check us out next Saturday for the next live episode, and of course, remember to check out Patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>